3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to Elders past and present of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning. You're with Wednesday Breakfast on 3CR, 855 AM, and streaming on 3cr.org.au, and available as podcasts if you don't catch us this morning. We have, as usual, a packed show for you today. We're going to start off at about 10 past 7, talking to someone from Bruno Manza Fond, the rainforest protection organization that works primarily in the East Malaysian state or to do with issues in the East Malaysian state of Sarawak. We're then going to be talking to some people from Pride in Protest about the significance of the Mardi Gras board um, deciding to not allow New South Wales police to march in this year's parade. Um, We're also just before eight o'clock going to cross to a pre-recording on Ukraine and human rights before after the uh, update from Camp Sovereignty and some announcements. We're going to chat to Nina Springle from We Are Not Numbers, an organisation that's um, hosting a silent procession on Friday. But first of all, before we do any of that, we're going to go to the headlines. New South Wales police have been uninvited to the Mardi Gras parade this year after New South Wales Constable Beaumont Lamar was charged with murdering Luke Davis and Jesse Baird, a gay couple, by the the organisers of Sydney's Mardi Gras are the ones that have uninvited the police. A spokesperson for the organisers said the New South Wales Police Force has been advised that the board of the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras has decided to withdraw the invitation to New South Wales Police to participate in this year's event. The families and communities of Jesse Baird and Luke Davis are mourning the deaths of the couple after they were murdered by Senior Constable Beau Lamar, a New South Wales police officer. Lamar was charged four days ago for the murder of the couple after they both went missing last week. Lamar, who was filmed ruthlessly assaulting Aboriginal man Chris Bradshaw in 2020, is currently being held by police. Aaron Bushnell, a 25-year-old soldier in the United States Air Force, died on Sunday after setting himself on fire outside the Israeli embassy in Washington, D.C., in protest of Israel's genocidal assault on Gaza. An active duty member, U.S. Airman, is dead after setting himself on fire, um, on Sunday, he before the action, he uploaded a video to Twitch explaining his motivation. A censored version of the stream was uploaded to Twitter by journalist Talia Jane. Aaron said, I will no longer be complicit in genocide. I'm about to engage in an extreme act of protest. But compared to what people have been experiencing in Palestine at the hands of their colonizers, it's not extreme at all. This is what our ruling class has decided will be normal. In the clip, Bushnell douses himself in gasoline and lights himself on fire while yelling free Palestine. His last words were free Palestine. 
New data from Cons- uh, Consumer Group reveals that four out of five shoppers find it hard to know whether markdowns at Coles and Woolworths represent value for money or savings. Of almost 11,000 shoppers surveyed, 88% of respondents said that they were concerned about the cost of living crisis and the rising costs of groceries. Choice Senior Campaigns and Policy Advisor B. Sherwood said, while the two major supermarkets each post over a billion dollars in profit, many households are at breaking point from the rising cost of food. In another victory for Palestine, the Water Transport Workers Federation of India decided to refuse to to load or unload weapons heading to the Zionist entity or to allies for genocide in Palestine. The Federation, which represents 3,500 workers at 11 major Indian ports, made this decision in response to a call by Palestinian trade unions, joining trade unions in Belgium and elsewhere, that are refusing to handle shipments to the Zionist entity. This decision highlights the growing global support for Palestine and resistance to Zionism, coming just days after Indian company Adani manufactured and sold over 20 Elbit Systems Hermes 900 drones to the IOF. These drones were made in India after the Zionist Elbit entered a joint venture with the Indian company Adani in 2018. It's worth noting that Adani, obviously infamous in Australia, also purchased the occupied port of Haifa for over a billion dollars last year. Such moves make India a complicit partner in the genocide of the Palestinians. We're now going to go to a song by Ahmad Kabur called Una Com. Yeah. 
بيتي التي أحيا نصيبي من مآسيكم وأهديكم ضياع عيني ودفء القلب أعطيكم فمأساتي التي أحيا نصيبي من مآسيكم أناديكم أشد على أنا ما هنت في وطني ولا صغرت أكتافي أنا ما هنت في وطني ولا صغرت أكتافي وقفت بوجه ظلام يتيما عاريا حافي أنا ما هنت في وطني ولا صغرت أكتافي وقفت بوجه ظلام يتيما عاريا حافي أناديكم أشد على أياديكم وأبوس الأرض تحت نعالكم وأقول أفديكم أناديكم أشد على أياديكم وأبوس الأرض تحت نعالكم وأقول أفديكم حملت دمي على كفي وما نكست أعلامي حملت دمي على كفي وما نكست عالمي وصنف العشب الأخضر فوق قبور أسلافي حملت دمي على كفي وما نكست عالمي وصنف العشب الأخضر فوق قبور أسلافي أناديكم أشد على أياديكم وأبوس الأرض تحت نعالكم وأقول أفديكم Multiple actions rolling over months and years and create huge sustained pressure of social change. And what we're seeing around the country right now is increasing repression of protest. Protest works. That's why I think we're seeing it criminalised all over the place. 3CR. Stay tuned. Stay radical. Brunswick Music Festival presents Sydney Road Street Party, Sunday, March the 3rd from 12pm. Over 90 artists performing on one massive day. Catch Bench Press, Billion and the Split Bills, Bumpy, Charlie Needs Braces, Chick Chicka, Merpire, Michael Beach, Al Carlson, Pauper Spit, Teether and Kuya Neal, Yorinda and heaps more. Plus, markets, community stalls and parties happening all along Sydney Road. More info at brunswickmusicfestival.com.au Brunswick Music Festival is a 3CR supporter.
That song was Unidacom by Ahmad Kabur. Now, we're going to be talking now with Lucas Straumann from the Bruno Manza Fund, an organisation that campaigns against deforestation and corruption in the timber industry with a focus on the East Malaysian state of Sarawak. They organised a tribunal on behalf of the rainforest after a civil suit by Jamila Taib Murray, the former the daughter of the former Sarawakian Chief Minister Taib Mahmud. Um, Taib Mahmud recently passed away. Thanks, Lucas, for joining us. Um, could you start off by telling us what was the Rainforest Tribunal? Thank you, Sonia, for having me. And good morning, Victoria. The Rainforest Tribunal was a public event we had last year in Switzerland, a staged event with a staged trial with uh, investigators and witnesses and a jury. Uh, And it dealt with what happened in the last 30 years in Sarawak, uh, Malaysia, a Malaysian state in the north of Borneo, um, a state that had been run by a politician who studied in Adelaide a law degree, and then he came back to Sarawak, and basically he became a strongman politician. And 20 years after having finished his studies on a scholarship, his family came back to buy, to purchase the best hotel on the place, the Adelaide Hilton. So there is a connection to Australia, actually quite a strong one. Yes. And um, interestingly, the family uh, or the boss of the family, the godfather who just passed away, um, I mean, he was in charge of overseeing the destruction of 90% of the rainforest of uh, of uh, his state in Borneo. So this is a place where a lot of um, environmental damage has been done, an incredible amount of environmental damage. And um, he just let it happen. And of course, his family and himself, they profited also from uh, what was going on because there had been a system of political patronage that logging companies, uh, plantation companies, had to uh, pay money to him or his cronies uh, in order to do to be able to do what they did, and that's where we had witnesses, uh, indigenous peoples who resisted uh, against logging back from the 1980s. So this is a long-term story; it goes back over 30 years, and these people came in to bear witness what they had experienced, what had happened to their communities. Yeah, I remember in, oh, the early 2000s, I was at a panel of rainforest activists from around the world, and they had a unanimous vote on the place which was the worst affected by the logging industry. And they all thought that Sarawak was the forerunner in rainforest destruction. Um, Can you tell me a bit about what... Well, it's a tiny place. It's a Mm. tiny state. It's three times the size of Switzerland. And it was the world's leading exporter of tropical timber for, for two or three decades. Mm. So imagine how much timber was brought out. Yeah, and, and flying over Sarawak, it's very clear the, the destruction that has happened. Can you tell me a bit about the charges that were laid before the tribunal, if that's the way that, the, that it took place? Well, actually, there were no charges, but the... There was a letter uh, which started the tribunal. It was written by indigenous communities from Sarawak. And they said, now, after three decades of logging, uh, we are still poor. We were promised development and all kinds of um, comforts. 
where has the money gone? Because nothing. We have a road, but um, we have no cars to ride to drive on this road, and a lot of timber worth billions of dollars has been taken out, and we're not seeing any return. So that was the origin. So and then we had like four sections. The first section was by international experts on tropical forestry, on ecology, biodiversity. They basically put it into a global context. We had a second section uh, with indigenous leaders talking about state violence and how their uh, resistance was broken by force. And then we had a third section on corruption and uh, the flows of money. And then importantly, also, we had a fourth section on where do we stand today and what can we do today to protect the forest? And I think that, um, if I'm not mistaken, the logging was one part of the issues that are faced by Indigenous people. But what came after the logging was almost worse in some ways in terms of the destruction of their livelihood and their ability to um, to glean a living from the rainforest. Could you talk a little bit about what happened to the areas that were logged after the logging had finished? Sure. I mean, the logging is just the first step of uh, some call it civilization, others call it destruction. Uh, when trees are being take, are taken out, I mean, from an old growth forest, you can do that, and the forest will also um, rehabilitate. But if you then come in a second and a third time, and if you cut clear cut the whole area for a big oil palm plantation, for instance, or a, a tree plantation, then you remove the whole natural vegetation and also all the uh, all, the, all the plants the communities are using and their uh, culture and tradition is based on. And that makes it impossible for them to continue with their traditional lifestyles. So basically they have the choice of mo either moving to a different place or sort of becoming slaves or um, forced laborers uh, on their own land. Uh, and that's a very tough choice. And um, of course, oil palm plantations produce a lot of cash, like uh, per hectare, maybe $3,000 a year net benefit or net profit. So that's a lot of money that a, a natural forest can never um, produce. But it's a very short-sighted development because all the ecosystem services gone, uh, provided by the forest will be gone. Like uh, a forest is also a water catchment area. It harbors like medicinal plants. It harbors um, raw materials like rotten. They use for handicraft. Craft. And of course, for hunting, uh, the whole protein supply for the local communities is from the forest, from either hunting or fishing. So, uh, and when the forests are depleted, that becomes a major problem. Yeah, I remember working with a community in Sarawak um, at least 20 years ago now, where they actually had to plant their traditional lands with oil palm because that was a way in which they could establish ownership of it even though it broke their hearts because they were destroying the forest to plant oil palm which they rec and they recognized the destruction in that step um well that goes that uh, i mean that is uh, caused by the land legislation which goes back to british colonial times in 1958 so uh, sarawak became part of malaysia in 1963 so the brits brought in a land code that said if the only har uh, farmed land can be claimed as native customary rights land and you cannot claim any forest land and you have you're not allowed to uh, change the area or to move to a different place um, and of course m 
all of these communities, they don't have uh, written evidence of their um, early use of that land, which has been used for hundreds of years. Um, so that ma that makes it really tough for them to prove it's their land. And of increasingly, the co Malaysian courts have recognized l land rights, but they also allowed the government to take away the land. Uh, but they just had to pay some kind of compensation, which was, of course, not the worth of the land. And once communities are deprived of their lands, it, it's uh, really hard for them to sustain their livelihoods. Now, um, you mentioned that the Taib family have benefited materially from this. Can you give some sort of example of the, I mean, there was a civil suit that's been taken against uh, Bruno Manza Fund by Jamila Tai Murray. Um, but can you give us some sort of um, examples of the wealth that we're talking about? Well, well absolutely. I mean, um, the Bloomberg Billionaires Index lists the types and type, um, listed them already 20, 20 uh, more than 15 years ago. Um, basically, one thing they did, they uh, privatized the largest state company into their own hands. Uh, co company called CMS, Chayamata Sarawak, uh, had a cement and steel monopoly for the whole state. So, and they were given massive state contracts. Um, and they are listed uh, um, on the stock exchange uh, in Kuala Lumpur. And so that was. The, the number one thing they did. They have other companies uh, like locking, locking interests, locking companies, and crucially, uh, Thai Mahmoud's brother, On Mahmoud, he controlled the timber export to uh, other countries. So every company that was shipping timber, like to Japan, they had to pay money uh, to an agent in Hong Kong who happens to be uh, On Mahmoud's business partner. And from there, the money was transferred to other places, like to Canada. We have evidence of that in mortgage documents. We found in a Canadian company called Sacto, which was uh, founded by Jamila type when she was 19. Um, and um, so uh, these we have been litigating for for six years with them because they wanted to ban my book and they wanted us uh, to defend us from um, making some statements, but they, they haven't managed to do that because uh, we're um, truth is on our side and we're uh, we really filed we filed hundreds of documents that uh, support our, our case. Now, the political situation in Malaysia has changed quite dramatically in the past five years. There's been the first ever change of government at the federal level. Um, and the current prime minister is somebody who fought for many years on a platform of change and openness and transparency. Are we seeing those changes having an impact upon the way in which the on the governance of Sarawak? Well, one thing that has not changed is that federal governments of Malaysia, they depend on a massive voting bloc from Sarawak. So the voting power of the MPs from Sarawak really uh, makes a difference. And, uh, and there are the majorities are, are quite tight. So even Anwar Ibrahim, now the current prime minister who campaigned for reform and, and on an anti-corruption platform and so on, 
he is very weak or maybe he's also very very scared of doing something and that's absolutely wrong uh, because um, his current conduct is a big disappointment for uh, local activists who said um, who, who, who were promised change by him so so we're not happy with the current situation and we expect Anwar to tackle the corruption situation in Saurok and especially uh, we ask the Malaysian government to freeze types assets now before his family members grab all that illicit, all these illicit funds. And lastly, you mentioned that there were um, some recommendations that came out of the tribunal. Could you explain a little bit about what they are? Well, first and foremost, um, the recommendation is that the native communities' lands should be officially recognized and land titles should be given, uh, so collective land titles, and that the government also should uh, lead a sincere dialogue. Uh, and of course, that assets that have been taken out should be re returned, uh, because uh, the communities should also benefit, because the money should have been invested into the development of these communities, like a basic road infrastructure is very bad. These are logging roads with with hundreds of holes, uh, and they totally depend on the on the timber companies uh, to um, maintain these roads. So, so number one is roads, then also clinics or um, also uh, agricultural um, stations should be there. I mean, a lot should be done for the local communities that hasn't been done. Yeah, I I remember um, about. 10, 15 years ago, there was a story that came out that um, they couldn't investigate claims of rape within indigenous communities in Sarawak because they did not have the money for translators to um, to gather the evidence. So, I mean, that's also something that could be tackled with money that came from the logging industry but and I things as well. Pretext. I mean, no one would believe that. That is a mm. absolute pretext. It, I mean, these claims were, we know about these claims and these were claims were absolutely credible, but they, I mean, they, they shouldn't, no one wanted these claims really to, to be ascertained and anything to happen, but it had a major impact that some, these claims were brought into the public domain. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Lucas. Um, we've been talking with Lucas Straumann from Bruno Manza Fund. Um, he was talking about the Rainforest Tribunal, which is now available as a documentary, which is being shown on YouTube. So if you're interested in finding out more, just go to YouTube and search for the Rainforest Tribunal. We're now going to go to some announcements. We have a right to be in public space undertaking political activity. That is not something that people should be telling us that we can't do. Multiple actions rolling over months and years and create huge sustained pressure of social change. And what we're seeing around the country right now is increasing repression of protests. Protest works. That's why I think we're seeing it criminalised all over the place. 3CR. Stay tuned. Stay radical. This summer, wildlife are feeling the heat of climate change. Wildlife becomes stressed and unwell in hot weather and every summer, Wildlife Victoria receives tens of thousands of calls for wildlife assistance. You can make a positive difference to the future of wildlife by donating to Wildlife Victoria. 
Your donation will help us rescue and care for heat-affected native animals. The future of wildlife is in your hands. Donate to Wildlife Victoria at wildlifevictoria.org.au. Wildlife Victoria is a 3CR supporter. This deal really accentuates and is very complementary to the white Australian domestic policy. Here you have not only a white alliance, but an Anglo-Saxon alliance of the ultimate cultural allies of the United States banding together and the significance that it is aimed at colored peoples, at Asian peoples, at Pacific peoples. This is injecting a horrible racial dimension to this conflict. So I think the U.S. and Australian elites' racist military policies are complementing the increasingly racist domestic policies. So I think, therefore, we really have to look out very, very carefully at this very dangerous synergy between racism on the military front and racism on the domestic front. Subscribe to 3CR. Where else can you hear radical news, analysis, music and opinions? Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 03 9419 8377. Welcome back to Wednesday Breakfast. You're on 3CR 855 AM. We're now going to be chatting with Kwekwe from Pride in Protest, an activist collective who campaigned for social justice in the queer community and beyond. Kwekwe will be speaking about their campaign against police at Mardi Gras and Pride generally. Good morning, Kwekwe. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. So can you tell me what the significance is of the Mardi Gras board coming to the decision of not allowing the New South Wales police to march in this year's parade? Um, I think it's pretty huge. It was a campaign that Pride and Protest has been working on for a while, but I think it's also, uh, I mean, it reflects community attitudes. The community has wanted this for a long time. The police, uh, they started the parade uh bashing queers, um, and they never really stopped. They just put it behind the scenes. Um, they've uh, been, like, targeting minorities. Uh, the black death in custody, like, there was eight this year um, since Janu- 1st of January. So, like, this stuff hasn't uh, stopped. So it's very significant, I think. Um, uh, and I, I do want to say, though, it's great that the board has done this and sort of back the community, but I should also say that they haven't um, actually um, pushed out. See, there was a motion um, to um, by the members mm-hmm. to take out the uh, Labour Party and the Liberals if they can't put through the Equality Bill. That has not been respected. Um, so, like, they've still got a bit more listening to do, but this is definitely a positive step, and it really reflects where the community's at right now. Can you tell us what uh, a bit about the Equality Bill? Uh, so the Equality Bill was an omnibus bill that basically, because New South Wales' rights for queer people are way behind where, I think, are you guys in Victoria? We're in Victoria, yeah. Yes, yes. We do not have sort of uh, 
self-ID laws. Uh, our Anti-Discrimination Act is way behind, so sex workers and queer people can be discriminated against by religious orgs, any orgs, really. Um, uh, there's, like, um, insect people can have involuntary surgeries put on them when they're, like, younger. It's There's a whole lot of stuff that was going to reform, and the Labor Party dragged their feet on that, and there's been no move to, like, pull them out, but... That's a whole other thing. I think right now, um, this like this tragic murder, the double murder, has yes. like completely changed where people's heads are at. And I think Mardi Gras just could not um, could not pretend it's not happening anymore. Um, Can you tell us a bit about what Pride in Protest is campaigning for beyond the equality uh, in, in general terms? So, in general terms, um, I mean like, legislative change, really, like, the Mardi Gras sort of, like, transforming and shifting the Mardi Gras as a cultural project is important, Mm -hmm. but we're seeing that happen now, and now we're moving towards action. We want, at the moment, yes, the Equality Bill, but also disarming, defunding, and dismantling the police at the moment, because what happened uh, just recently, that was the manifestation of a similar systemic problem, um, something that's happening all the time in, like, uh, like uh, First Nations communities, mm-hmm. uh, like with people of color. Um, it happens some of the time here in, uh, like, Surrey Hills and, uh, yeah, the, like, more like white neighborhoods, but it's uh, happening all of the time. Uh, out there. So it needs to, like, we need this sort of fundamental change. Um, and that's what we're campaigning for. So, like, the, like, disarming, that is police not having weapons on the street. And that's the start of uh, that culture changing. So uh, doing that will, like, take away their power, take away their, like, authority, which means they will have to start sort of changing their culture. Um, defunding means we have funds to put into community. Um, that means like public housing, that means like food banks, that means, um, mental health care services, um, better public health care, uh, yeah, things like that. And then dismantling means eventually taking down the whole project. Um, yeah. And so you- that's. Sorry. And you made these calls in a press conference recently. Um, what was the success of the press conference, um, and the, in particular the success of these calls? Um, I think the press conference was good because, like, um, we had a lot of people who spoke to, like, just how horrific the police abuses can get. But we also, like, had examples of how fixable the problem is. Um, yeah, I think... Um, Latoya has, like, first-hand, um, Latoya rule, uh, they've first-hand, like, seen, like, the abuses of this system, but they've also done a lot of reform work to, like, change the system. So, like, we know we can change this stuff. Um, we've also, we had, like, a Green's counsellor, and their position on disarm is pretty clear. They want the police disarmed. Um, I think... The, we had Council of Civil Liberties, and they're doing a disarm campaign. So, like, there's like 
institutions and like this is a real thing and we're seeing real change and I think that was a good thing about the um, the press conference and I mean could you talk a little bit about the history of police officers at the Mardi Gras um, and and yep how how um, how prominent they've been and also what their actions have been um, I mean yeah so the protest had actually a permit in 1978. Um, that permit was not respected. Um, the police turned violent um, and they like beat everyone bloody, uh, like arrested them, humiliated them by publishing their names in Herald Sun. Um, so that's where this started, obviously. And then we've quote unquote come a long way. Uh, obviously, that's not the case because in 2013, um, while the police had like the right to march. They um, beat uh, gay men like particularly badly, and that led to the police accords, which was basically a sort of formalization of the police's right to abuse queers. Um, it involved these decency checks, which is basically the police's right to sort of sexually harass and abuse. Um, like, members of the parade to assess, like, whether their, like, outfit is decent. Um, and there's, like, very, like, transphobic uh, and queerphobic sort of assessments mm -hmm. that go on there as to, like, whether your outfit is okay to wear. Um, there's, uh, like, the, the drug sniffer dogs and um, mm -hmm. stuff like that. And just, like, yeah, when the, when the stuff boils over, when the pol police officer, like... Uh, wigs out like yeah we know what that looks like and i believe there was an incident just two weeks ago um was this the midsummer yeah um yeah i mean that video is horrific like it's like the protest could you just explain a little bit about what the video contains and what happened so there's um protesters counter protesting um the police march um Oh, well, it's hard to call midsummer a protest, but basically these protesters um, are doing, like, simple body blocking. The police have none of that, so they send in, like, the, the like most violent, um, like, officers. Uh, I think there was some SWAT guys there or, like, riot control, um, and, like, there's one person who gets punched twice, someone gets shoved to the ground, um... That's what's on footage. Uh, I wasn't there personally. It probably there was a lot that didn't get caught. Um, yeah, yeah that, it's and that, that was stuff. just two weeks ago. So the yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so what is Pride in Protest's call to action in the midst of all this? Um, in the midst, so um, at the moment um, we are building for Trans Day visibility. We're having a rally on the thirty first of March at Pride Square in Newtown. Um, that'll be around 2 p.m. But, uh, yeah, you can look at that stuff at pride.in.protest on our Instagram. Uh, we've also got a Facebook Pride in Protest. Um, we're also um, just, uh, I would say to people, uh, like, keep your eyes out. Um, we do have a petition on our Instagram, but... Um, like, this is a very fluid thing, so um, I think everyone needs to be, like, aware that, like, 
you like have power and you need to be ready to sort of use that power like harass your MPs uh like harass like turn up to snap rallies harass like police officers uh at the stations when we're doing a snap when we're doing a snap rally don't just do that uh, obviously <laughs> that yeah, don't just turn well. up at your the local police station and yeah. start harassing the officers yeah, wait, just, wait for uh, an action yeah but um, when you see an action like it's like get ready to go because we have power together um, and especially so like with these like with these like with our events we have the power to control our spaces and who comes into our spaces so remember you have that power um, and be ready to use it because, yeah, that's what we can do to affect this change. Great. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Um, uh, I hate Crickman's. Uh, am I allowed to swear on air? I don't think so. No, sorry. <laughs> well, I really hate Crickman's. <laughs> and he has, a, has like a pencil. And he needs to mind his own business about who gets to march on the parade uh, and pass the equality bill. Great. Thank you very much for joining us this morning, Quay Quay. That was Quay Quay from Pride in Protest. And just to give you a little bit of background on what's been happening, um, the Mardi Gras board has said that our community needs space to grieve the loss of Jesse and Luke. That would be um, Jesse Baird and Luke Davis, um, who were murdered. Um, an officer has been charged with the murder of um, Jesse Baird and Luke Davis, an officer who was previously filmed ruthlessly assaulting an Aboriginal man, Chris Bradshaw, in Darlinghurst in 2020. So our community, the, board, the Mardi Gras board said, our community needs space to grieve the loss of Jesse and Luke, who before this tragedy would have been here celebrating with us at the festival. In the light of this, the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras board feels that having New South Wales Police march this year could add to the distress within our communities deeply affected by recent events. Um, there was recently a New South Wales Special Commission of Inquiry into LGBTQ hate crimes, which found that for decades the New South Wales Police left homophobic hate crimes deliberately uninvestigated. Um, so that was Quay Quay from Pride and Protest. And as they said, if you want to find out more, you can go to the pride.in.protest on Instagram. And there is a petition there that you can sign. But also be ready for some snap actions. We're now going to go to a song by popular Egyptian band Cairo Key. And this song is called Telk Kadia, or That's a Different Matter. This song was released on the band's official YouTube channel and expresses solidarity with the Palestinian cause, highlighting the West's double standards that ignore the plight of the Palestinians. One of the lyrics says, How can you be a white angel? Your consciousness remains a half-consciousness. The lyrics continue, You do justice to some freedom movements while you destroy other liberation movements. You distribute your kindness and compassion to the murdered according to their nationalities. It questions the credibility of those who claim to be angelic or noble while turning a blind eye to the principles of justice and equality. Let's listen to this beautiful song. Yonkas <laughs> 
Tune in to Stick Together, all about workers' rights and social justice. 8.30am Wednesday, 7am Saturday. Or listen on demand on 3CR's website, 3cr.org.au. That is not something that people should be telling us that we can't do. Multiple actions rolling over months and years and create huge sustained pressure of social change. And what we're seeing around the country right now is increasing repression of protest. Protest works. That's why I think uh, we're seeing it criminalised all over the place. 3CR. Stay tuned. Stay radical. Next, we're going to be um, hearing from Trudy Mitchell, who is from Australia for the UNHCR, which is the UN United Nations High Commission for Refugees. They're appealing for renewed support for Ukrainians as conditions worsen two years on from Russia's full-scale invasion. Um, let's go to that clip now. After two years, Ukraine is grappling with massive destruction. Shelling and missile attacks continue across the country destroying homes, hospitals and energy infrastructure. Families are sheltering in crowded accommodation centres or badly damaged houses with no piped water, gas or electricity. And a bitter winter is increasing the need for life-saving aid. At the moment, about 40% of the population need humanitarian support. The incredible resilience of the people in Ukraine after two long years of full-scale war is truly inspiring. But with no end to the conflict in sight, they need our help to remain resilient now more than ever. They need cash assistance to help buy food, fuel, medicine and warm clothes, and they need help with repairing their homes. They need counselling services to help them with the trauma of war. Australians can provide this support by donating to unrefugees.org.au. UNHCR's dedicated teams have been on the ground since the beginning, delivering life-saving aid, including repairs to bombed-out homes and cash, 
for fuel, food and medicine. We will stay and deliver for the people of Ukraine for as long as is needed, but we can't do it alone. More funding is needed to help people survive this war and to rebuild. Our message to Australians is to not forget the people of Ukraine and donate through unrefugees.org.au. And so if you want to donate, the website for that is unrefugees.org.au backslash emergency hyphen response backslash Ukraine hyphen emergency backslash. And that was Trudy Mitchell talking about Australia's role with the United Nations High Commission for Refugees. You're listening to 3cr.org.au or 855 on your AM dial. If you want to listen to us, you can also download the Community Radio app, um, which gives really good quality audio wherever you are. Um, Now let's have an update from Camp Sovereignty. Um, Today, um, there will be a live um, cross to... um, to the camp on Bunjil's Fire, which is broadcasting from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Um, the guests that will be um, on then include, now uh, I apologise for any pronunciation mistakes that I make here, Ned Jampijinpa Hargraves, a Walpiri elder from Yuandamu. He started the Karinjala Muwajari, No More Guns in Our Communities campaign, after the fatal shooting of 19-year-old Kumanjaya Walker by Northern Territory Police Officer Zachary Rolfe in 2019. Um, the coronial inquest t- into also continues at the moment. Um, Jim Everett, who goes by his orig- Aboriginal name, Puralia Minamata, is a poet, playwright, political and academic paper and short story writer whose work has been featured in a range of major anthologies. Jim is another guest um, on Bunjil's Fire today and they live on Cape Barren Island. Um, Other than that, today there will be a reading group at noon um, at Camp Sovereignty, which is on the so-called King's Domain. At 6pm, there will be a fundraising chat for Kokatha Country. And at 8.30pm, there will be a skills building session on self-representation in court. Today at noon, there will be an art day. And this evening at nine o'clock, there'll be a screening of The Tracker. On Thursday, tomorrow, there will be at 6pm a talk on Turkish imperialism and and land theft of Armenia and Kurdistan. And then at 9pm, there will be a documentary screening, which is about Camp Sovereignty. That documentary comes from the 2006 iteration of Camp Sovereignty. On Friday at 1pm, there will be a security culture workshop. And at 2pm, there will be a chat about the health impacts of political actions. I think that should be really interesting. Um, At 6pm, there'll be a silent procession and vigil by We Are Not Numbers. And we'll be finding out more about that shortly when we talk to Nina Springle. Um, And on Saturday, there'll be a... um, Talk on denouncing extractivism in, with Lasnet at 9 o'clock in the morning and at 4pm there will be banner painting, but you have to bring your own materials. We'll now go to a song um, and the song is called Redfern Girls, fortunately, so we'll now go to that song.
Steps from a train going west To a platform she feels so familiar There's nothing like living so From the book she had already read Redfern girl, you better love someone Redfern girl No, the end might be on you Then the end won't be too far away The city can sometimes get you Drop a knife deep into your soul Redfern girl, better love someone Redfern girl, you better love someone There's a whole wide world out there waiting for you Wednesday at 11am, join me, Bunzellini, at the fire in Community Radio 3CR. Three hours of historically informed, critical analysis of Aboriginal affairs and the ongoing political movement for land rights, treaty, sovereignty and the cessation of genocide. Featuring the best of black music. Bunzel's Fire. 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. every Wednesday on Community Radio 3CR. Big Deal Touring presents Havashi Pure Piano Tour. The virtuoso pianist and composer, a music visionary with rock star charisma. Catch him live Friday the 24th of May, Arts Centre Melbourne. Don't miss out. Get your tickets now. Artscentremelbourne.com.au A 3CR supporter. We're joined for this morning's final segment by Nina Springle from the organisation We Are Not Numbers. They're organising a silent procession and vigil this Friday the 1st of March. Nina is a former deputy leader of the Greens and former member for the southeastern metropolitan region in the 
State Parliament. Thanks for joining us, Nina. Thank you for having me. First of all, can you tell us what the focus of this vigil is? Mm, absolutely. It's a protest against the killing of the, of the children of Palestine. Um, since October 7, there's been over 14,000 children killed uh, in the um, attack on Palestine. And we are walking through the centre of the CBD from um, Camp Sovereignty uh, to the steps of Parliament in, in a silent protest um, I suppose to highlight our um, our government's silence around these issues. So, so my understanding is that the procession is going to be silent, and then what happens? Yes, then we'll get to the steps of Parliament, and there will be um, um, some, I suppose, short speeches um, in in solidarity with the people of Palestine. Um, there will be um, candles laid. And um, some, you know, a minute silence type of thing, um, and you know, some other sort of um, uh, surprise actions, I suppose. But you know, in in the um, in the theme of um, what we're there for, which is to pay respect to um, those who have passed in in this in this um, genocide. Now, um, can you tell us a bit broadly about the aims of We Are Not Numbers? Mm, absolutely. It's really um, an effort um, to bring to, I guess, the general public's attention, but also our, the attention of our politicians, um, that, that, we, that there's a huge number of people in Australia that don't support what is going on in the Middle East. Um, I think there was a poll that came out perhaps yesterday or the day before, saying that over 80% of Australians would like there to be a permanent ceasefire in Palestine. Um, and and over 50% of Australians would like our government to be doing more towards that. Um, and so our our aim is uh, for it to, to, to advocate for and to push for a permanent ceasefire in Palestine. And what do you think that the government can actually do? I I, re- I sent an email to Penny Wong and got a response back of all the things that they are doing. Um, but, yeah, could you tell me what you think they should be doing? Yeah, uh, look, I think... It was a huge um, email. <laughs> it, I bet you it was a huge email, and I, and I suspect that she's getting a lot of those emails um, because I think there's a lot of people that are really disappointed with our government's response. Mm. She's already been over to Israel, um, and, and I think she did... She also visited the um, occupied Palestinian territories, but they but the, the diplomatic ties with Israel are very strong between Australia and, and Israel, and I think there could certainly be more um, um, dialogue around a ceasefire. Um, I think on a global stage, um, where we're at, you know, we are into our 143rd day or fourth day of of what's going on in Palestine, I think we're at the point now where um, sanctions are, 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 you know, are are what's needed against Israel because um, any other sort of dialogue has not worked thus far. And we're seeing protests across the world. People are taking to the streets and their governments are ignoring them by large part. I mean, we have in Ireland, they have just uh, approved sanctions, and I think we should follow suit. 
Um, and what about um, funding for humanitarian assistance? I mean, particularly given that the focus of your protest is on the Palestinian children who've been murdered. Um, is that... 100%. Yes. Oh, well, I mean, humanitarian aid should be allowed into Gaza. There is absolutely no doubt about that. People are in the north are dying of starvation. Um, and most of the people have been herded down to the south uh, and are, are sort of left at the Egyptian border with nowhere else to go. Um, and people are, are dying of, of lack of, you know, basic amenities. Um, so that's a given. That should happen immediately. Um, my understanding is that there were over 400 trucks that would go into Gaza every day pre-October 7 just to keep, you know, a minimum, a bare minimum of what people needed to survive. Now there's something like 100 trucks getting in. People are dying, you know, and that's, it's not good enough in this... In this well, it's, not, it's never been good enough, but it's certainly not good enough in this day and age. Now, you're ending the procession at the state parliament. Do you have any demands for Victorian legislators? Well, I mean, I think they, um, you know, obviously this is a federal issue and and I I suppose, you know, that would be a a, a time-worn criticism of of protests like this in terms of a state parliament in in that, you know, directly... A state parliament probably can't do much to, you know, lobby the the government of Israel. But the reality is that it is the duty of state parliamentarians to advocate to their federal counterparts. You know, um, we, we have a, a, a three-tiered system of government and, and part of what you do as a state parliamentarian is to, you know, liaise with your federal counterparts. And... There's no doubt in my mind that um, that the caucus of of the state parliament, uh, you know, the, the the Labor caucus of the state parliament could be advocating to the federal caucus um, of the Labor Party who are in government, you know. Um, so I, I think there are things that that can be done at a state level. They could certainly could be more vocal about um, their support for Palestinians. And the reality is that there is a decent-sized Palestinian diaspora in Australia, and they vote. Yeah. So, you know, like, if you, even if you want to be a cynical politician, <laughs> it's in their best interest to take, to take note of what is going on and act. Now, the um, procession is starting from Camp Sovereignty. What's the mm. connection between what you're doing and Camp Sovereignty at the so-called King's Domain? Yeah, look, I think that the... Um, the the connection between the resistance from our Indigenous First Nations peoples and the Palestinian peoples is very strong and it has been for a long time because they share a common cause and that is that they um, were colonised and continue to be oppressed um, by a colonising regime. Um, and so, you know, there are very strong ties between our First Nations peoples and and the Palestinian diaspora, and the you know, and and the Palestinians um, overall. Uh, so it, it seems like a fitting um, um, beginning to our vigil to be at Camp, Camp Sovereignty and get the blessings of um, the the First Nations elders. Um, who, you know, are, have custody of the land that we're worth walking on. Yeah. Um, now, do you have anything else that you'd like to add, either about the procession or about the vigil mm. that comes afterwards? 
Well, I mean, I, I would like people to, um, to heed the call of action, you know, and, and to support what um, We Are Not Numbers is doing in terms of our advocacy to government. Um, I think we all feel very powerless watching this, um, this unfold on our phones. Um, the brave journalists in Palestine, these, those incredible young people who have been documenting, you know, this from the outset mm. are showing us what's actually happening and on the ground, you know, in real time. And I think there is a, there is a collective trauma that is associated with that. So I would urge your listeners to, you know, to start writing the letters, to, to get into the ears of their local MPs and, and advocate for the stopping of, of, I mean, you know, really stop the killing. There have been over, I'll remind your listeners again, over 14,000 children. You know, Palestine has the youngest population in the world. Um, and and a good portion of, of those who have been slaughtered are, are babies. Um, there is absolutely no justification for that. Take out the politics, take out any kind of context uh, or, or association to religion. This is the slaughter of children. Um, and, you know, no one with any sense of humanity or empathy or, you know, any heart can, can support that. And so I, I would, you know, I would urge your listeners to come down to the, the steps of Spring Street or Camp Sovereignty or come and walk with us through the CBD in protest. Uh, sorry, just to backtrack a little bit, could you tell me mm. a bit about the vigil itself? What will that entail? So, as I said, we will um, we'll be walking through the CBD with candles. So there will be 14,000 candles, one for each child that has been killed. And you're um, fundraising for that, is that right? We are, we are. So all of those will be will be either donated or, or you know, purchased through fundraised dollars. Um, we'll be uh, walking up to the, the steps of Parliament. The, the candles will be laid. Um, there will be some, some appropriate short, timely speeches um, in, in condolence with um, those that have passed. Um, and there will be some other um, displays, I suppose, um, at, at the Parliament. Um, there will be a, mo- a minute silence um, and uh, I suppose that's where we'll leave it. Okay. Um, but But... I would urge, um, you know, those, those that can should come down and pay their respects. Now, I have to admit, yesterday when I was mm. doing research, I managed to find the We Are Not Numbers website. So there is a We Are mm. Not Numbers organisation in America, which is the first thing that comes up, but there is a We Are Not Numbers website here. But then when I was looking later on, I couldn't find the website later on in the day. Could you give us oh. the website so that people can find it and are able to donate, either donate candles or the, well, the electrical candle-like things? Um. Yes, I don't think we're allowed to. <laughs> I don't think we're allowed to use the real candle. Especially with today anymore, being a fire, total fire ban day, we wouldn't want to be um, encouraging a Guy Fawkes. Um, no. The, there, org, or is that the... That's, that's um, the American that's one, which is American also an interesting organisation of Palestine, supporting Palestinian writers, particularly young Palestinian writers. So if listeners did want to check that out, it's also worth checking out. Mm. But do we have a, a website for your... 
um, organization. That's a really good question, and I'm looking for it. I saw it. it. I, I, I definitely saw it yesterday morning. And then, as I say, when I went back in the <laughs> evening to prepare the questions, I couldn't find it. A Facebook it, it, page, but that doesn't yeah, seem to have is. the same amount of details on it that the website had. Yeah. But I, I would assume that it's um, we're not numbers.org.au. Possibly. Um, what we'll do we... is we will try and get that website from yeah, you or others involved it in it later yeah. on and we'll put it in the show notes if we can find it. If not, then perhaps our listeners can go to the Facebook page. The Facebook page, yeah, absolutely. And reach out if they have any questions um, because we have we have people that will be monitoring that pretty much the whole time. So you mean reach um, out via the Facebook page? Yeah, that's right. Cool. Um, hopefully we'll get, we'll get the website. <laughs> the the wonderfully you. disappearing website. The, web, the, the, the invisible website. But if not, if they do want to contact us, they can do so through the, web, the Facebook Great. And is there anything else that listeners can do to support We Are Not Numbers or to find out, as I say, more about the procession and the vigil? Mm, absolutely. Well, I mean, certainly come down to Camp, to Camp Sovereignty at 5.30 on, on Friday. Um, um, or even earlier, speak. it's a great place to just hang out. Oh, 100%. Like, I, I think more people should know about what's going on down there as well. So come and have a yarn and and join us down there. Um, but otherwise, we'll be up at the... I think, I believe we'll be at the steps of Parliament by around by about 7, seven o'clock. Great. So that's you know they could they could come to the other end of, of of that if you can't do the whole the whole walk. But um, uh, we are still accepting donations and what have you for for the candles and and the like. Fantastic! So that would be wonderful. Thank you. And I've also been advised that you can also go to the Instagram account, and the Instagram account is We Are Not Numbers AUS. So We Are Not Numbers Oz. And oh. you can have a look there as well. So you did more research than I did. <laughs> I, I, I think it's just I've got tapped. On. Oh, and we are not numbers. Sis is what I've also got coming up now. So um, that's all for this morning. Unless there's anything final words that you've got to say. No, no. Thank you for having us on. We really appreciate it. Okay, great. Thank you very much for joining us, Nina. Um, We've been chatting to Nina Springle from We Are Not Numbers about the silent procession happening on Friday. It starts out at 6pm from Camp Sovereignty at so-called King's Domain, but try to get um, along there earlier so that you don't miss the start. It will be heading up at um, the State Parliament and there will be a vigil and some short speeches there. If you want to... To, um, to follow the campaign. As mentioned, there is a Facebook page, but also an Instagram account, which is, as I first said, we are not numbers Oz. So or without any spaces. And Oz is A-U-S rather than O-Z. Um, we'll just go to a few announcements and then come back with some um, messages. It is language that's under pressure. It's the best words in the best order. All right, because I want us to join hands together. It would seem wholly unsatisfying to be a human unless there were these moments where we feel something. Spoken Word, your connection to the grassroots story and poetry community, every Thursday at 9am on 3CR.
Did you know that Ripponlea Estate is recognised as a leading biodiversity hotspot within the city of Glenara? It is a haven for birds and other wildlife. Ripponlea Estate is now running bird spotting tours, providing an opportunity for the community to explore the beautiful 14 acres of gardens with a volunteer guide searching out the diverse family of birds that call Ripponlea home. Please visit ripponleaestate.com.au to view tour times and to book your tour. The National Trust of Australia is a 3CR supporter. Raise your flag. Raise your flag. Raise your flag. 
Stand in solidarity with Palestine this Sunday. With the most devastating attack ever launched on the people of Gaza, it's time for all of us to stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people. Israel has waged war on the Palestinians for the last 75 years. The Nakba, ethnic cleansing, occupation of the West Bank, East Jerusalem and Gaza. Israel has now imposed a total blockade on Gaza and declared war, stopping food, electricity and fuel and launching an all-out attack. We have to mobilise to show our support for Palestine. 12pm, State Library, this Sunday. Rally to demand freedom and justice for Palestine. No war on Gaza. Free Palestine Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. And before that announcement, you heard Declare Independence by Bjork. Um, Let's have some announcements now. Um, This Sunday, um, the 3rd of March, from 10am till 2pm, the Assembly Store, which is at 60 and 62 Pelham Street, Carlton, will be running a bake sale to raise funds for McKaylee. And I apologise if I pronounced that um, incorrectly. McKaylee is an Aboriginal woman who unexpectedly passed away at St Vincent's Hospital in Melbourne last week. There'll be baked goods, cakes, coffee and a raffle and all proceeds will go directly to McKaylee's family to support them in this time. Again, the store is located at 1662 Pelham Street, Carlton. Also running on Sunday, as you heard just now um, in the announcements, APAN, the um, Palestinian Action Network, is running Artists for Palestine, an evening of performances dedicated to Palestine. All proceeds will go to the National Zakat Foundation, assisting people in Gaza who are arriving in Australia. Unionists for Palestine are calling upon community to come down to HTA Campbellfield on Friday to say no to the manufacturing of weapons used to commit genocide against Palestinians. Folks will be needed down there from 10am till 12pm and bring your union flags. Lastly, tonight at 6.30pm, there will be a study group on Marxism and the right to self-determination and understanding Zionism and the fight for Palestinian self-determination. It's going to be held at Solidarity Salon, 113 Spring Street in Reservoir. Um, And that's about it from today's programme. Before I do anything else, I would like to thank both Grace and Zoe, neither of whom are in the studio with me today, but who've helped on the back end with putting together today's show. Um, And what was in today's show? Well, we started off with an interview with Lucas Draumann from the Bruno Manza Fund, talking about the absolute destruction of the rainforest in the East Malaysian state of Sarawak in North Borneo. We spoke with Kwe Kwe from Pride in Protest, talking about the Mardi Gras board in Sydney's decision to not allow New South Wales police to march in this year's parade, de-inviting them after the tragic murder of um, Jesse Baird and Luke Davis um, with an officer charged for that murder. Um, We also heard from Trudy Mitchell talking about the United Nations High Commission 
uh, of refugees appeal for help to support the Ukrainian refugees. And lastly, just now, we spoke with Nina Springle from We Are Not Numbers, um, who are organising a silent procession and vigil um, on Friday, the 1st of March. Um, if you're interested in going to that, head down to so-called King's Domain um, at 5.30 to 6 o'clock and it starts off from Camp Sovereignty. I think that's all for today. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a bit of a marathon again this week, but I'm glad you stuck with me. Um, Next, we'll be having the Stick Together show. Thank you all for listening. 3CR Breakfast would like to thank the New International Bookshop, Melbourne's independent radical bookstore and venue, for their financial support of this program. You can find Nibs in the basement of Trades Hall in Victoria Street, Carlton. Keep up to date with upcoming events at nibs.org.au. This deal really accentuates and is very complementary to the white Australia domestic policy. Here you have not only a white alliance, but an Anglo-Saxon alliance of the ultimate cultural allies of the United States banding together and the significance that it is aimed at colored peoples, at Asian peoples, at Pacific peoples. This is injecting a horrible racial dimension to this conflict. So I think the U.S. and Australian elites' racist military policies are complementing the increasingly racist domestic policies. So I think, therefore, we really have to look out very, very carefully at this very dangerous synergy between racism on the military front and racism on the domestic front. Subscribe to 3CR. Where else can you hear radical news, analysis, music and opinions? Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 03 9419 8377. Councils around the country will put on Disability Day events and quite a few of them will not include people of colour, First Nations people and black people. So I think it's pretty cool that everyone you'll hear on air today will be a person of colour and the majority of them will be people with disabilities as well. I think when we were preparing for this show and for this day, we wanted to talk about how we could explain the concept of power from the margins and why it is that we've chosen to focus on black people, indigenous people and people of colour. And I think, you know, in one word, it's intersectionality. It's the fact that people experience forms of oppression, different forms of oppression at the same time. And most people don't realise that you can't have racial justice without disability justice and vice versa. We need to keep radical voices on air. Subscribe now. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377. Hi, I'm Sophie from Braemar College basis of the tangents. 
Stay tuned to 3CR Community Radio, supporting young local artists. 855 on your AM dial, digital and online at 3cr.org.au.